Yeah. They ain't gonna like it. They ain't gonna like it. I be getting to the money. Everybody mad. And doing this and doing that. You're not hearing any of that those things. 
So what make you gonna go what's gonna make you go do those the other things that it takes to win. So that's why I was talking about zip codes. The you know, it's almost like you've seen people, you know, take their kids across town to go to school or to play ball or do something like that because that zip code that they're in is fierce, you know, it's ugly, it's rough. And, you know, also, you know, they they, they actually have fourth graders take tests and those particular tests let them know how how many prisons they need to build in the future because they know that that thinking that you have as a fourth grader usually stays there forever and that's because you don't run across calls like this you don't read the books we read you don't get in an environment we're in to start changing those thoughts so you wind up you know you know, you got new clothes, new house, new car, but you still got that thinking. Man, and that's what we talk about here. So, look, we also load these calls on a podcast platform. We're on 16 different podcast platforms, man. We're on, the, we're on Apple. We're on iTunes. We're on Breaker. We're on Spotify. We're on a number of those um, platforms that you can easily go back, easily go back, and listen to them, and that's the goal. See, repetition is the key. In order for us to learn, you have to repeat it over and over and over and hear it over and over and over, take notes, and then apply it. You have to do those things. It's not just reading and not just listening. It's not No, you have to learn how to apply it. And the way you do that, you've got to take the notes. You have to do all those things to, to do that if you're going to change. It just doesn't. I think a lot of people feel like since I'm reading or since I'm listening to something, I'm good. Now, yeah, that's a start. That's better than most. I can tell you that. It's better than most. But that ain't where you want to be. You don't want to be just better than most. I hope not. And so those are the things that we talk about. Now, we also put this on a, um, I mean, we've got a recording to this call. So what happens is right after this call ends today, you can actually go back and listen to the replay, which is 712-432-1085, same PIN code. Seven eight three three five seven pounds. So pin uh, number again four one two. I mean, what is it? Four. Th- what did I say? Seven one two four three two ten eighty five. And this call will be up until Wednesday morning. So you can listen to it tonight. You can listen to it tomorrow night. You can take some notes from it. You can apply it. Would you say how I apply it? Well, first of all, you got to start teaching it. Call somebody and say, "Look, guess what I heard today?" Blah 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 blah. What do you think? Or Go live like I think somebody just did. I think Miss Kimberly did that, and I have to commend her. I think also uh, LaVonda, I think she did it. So you go live and you say, hey, these are a couple of points I heard today on our mindset call. What do y'all think about it? You know, what do y'all feel about it? You know what I'm saying? I just heard it. I just want to share it with you guys. Now, see, that's the start of applying because now you're putting it out there. It's coming out of your mouth now. You're kind of like teaching it to people, and you're trying to see where they are. And then you literally listen to that information and say, okay, am I doing this? If not, let me do it. There you go. That's it. I know you say, that ain't, you know, that's, I'm, you know, that's hard. <laughs> no, it's not. It's only hard when you start. I'm a, that's a rhyme. It's only hard when you start. Once you start doing it over and over and over, it's going to be pretty simple, and you're going to start getting the hang of it. All right? So, all right, so this guess what I did today? Y'all already know. Walked over to the bookshelf, and I closed my eyes, and I reached on the bookshelf, and I grabbed the book. Then I opened the book, and I wanted to open and see how much of the highlighted sections I had in this book. So I just flipped through it, flipped through it, and I saw a lot of, at this this particular book, I had the yellow highlighter, you know, the the, the marker. Because most of the time I'm using a pen to underline stuff, but I had the marker. And it seems like a bunch of stuff in this book was highlighted. So I grabbed it, and I set it on my desk, and now I'm about to open it to a page, and I'm going to start from there. All right, y'all ready? We're going to talk about it today. All right, so let me go here. I'm kind of jumping in the middle of all the highlighted section. And so 
I guess when I start reading it, it might not make sense, but we're going to make it make sense as we go along. All right, so it says here, mark it well. Mark it well, like you marking a, you know, something with a pen or something. Environment shapes us, makes us think the way we do. Try to name just one habit or one mannerism you have which you did not pick up from other people. Hmm. Think about that. Think about one thing that you do that you did not pick up from other people. Write it down, because I might call you and ask you that. Well, I might say just text it to me, because it really is really going to be hard to do. I know you don't think that, but it really going to be hard to do. Relatively minor things like the way we walk, cough, hold a cup, our preferences for music, literature, entertainment, clothing, all stem in a very large part from our environment. We copy everything in our environment. I always use this example. I always use this example of if you living in the neighborhood, in the hood, and they move you into a wealthy individual's home for six months or a year. Once you go into that home, the clothes that you bring with you is the clothes that you wear in the neighborhood, in the hood, you know, slacks, you know, uh, you know, I don't know what what you wear in the hood, but whatever it is, pants, you know, drooping down, all that kind of stuff. All right, so you're in this wealthy person home for six months to a year. After about a week or two of every day seeing them and going through the routine that they go through, waking up in the morning, maybe exercising or whatever, you might even sit at the table every morning with each other and have breakfast or something like that. You're going to look out of place. Because the gear that you have on is not what they have on. The way you talk is not how they talk. The things you eat is not what they're eating. So now you're going to have to uh, start slowly changing to that environment. No, it's not like you're going to have to. You will do that. Because you're going to, you, you, you're going to be tired of feeling uncomfortable and looking different from the way they are. So eventually you're going to start saying, hey, uh, Ricky, where do you buy that kind of shirt? I know you're saying, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. Yes, you will, yes, you will, yes, you will, because if you're in that environment, you're going to start acting that way. You know, you're going to start doing certain things, you know. You're going to slowly do those things, and you're going to, you might not even notice you're doing it because you're in that environment. Now, let's flip it. You're very wealthy, very rich, and you move into the hood, which probably is not going to happen. But you move into the hood, and now you got your khaki slacks and, um, I don't know, polo shirt. Now you look around. They wearing, you know, <laughs> rockerwear gear or something they got on, you know, the baggy, I mean, the long shorts they have on, whatever. And after about a while, you know, and they eating their, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say that, but you know what we eat. So just to fit in, because you don't want to stick out. You definitely don't want to stick out, you know, in the neighborhood. You definitely want to stick out in the neighborhood. So, uh, you know, you don't want to get caught off guard. So you start changing the clothes, start, you know, having a little slang talk because, you want to fit in. You don't want people just strangely looking at you. That's environment, folks. And you don't even know, a lot of us don't even know we're doing it. A lot of us don't even know we do. And I still think of that example that Lisa says about when she dropped her son off at this place during the summertime and when she picked him up. And he was, you know, I guess seven, eight years old at the time. And as they were, as they were driving back home, the language that he was using was the language of that area that he was in because he didn't talk that way before she dropped him off. You know, like one of the things he said was, you know, let me hold some. I'm broke. <laughs> so you know, you know where that came from. Let me hold something. I'm broke. 
Let me hold something bro. He, he, if you know a son, he didn't he didn't talk like that. He didn't he didn't he didn't say those particular things, you know. So it's environment, folks. He says the way you hold the cup, the way you walk, the music you listen to, the literature, all that stuff. So more important, the size of your thinking, your goals, attitudes, your very, your very personality is formed by your environment. Prolonged association with negative people makes us think negatively. Close contact with petty individuals develop petty habits in us. On the bright side, companionship with people who have big ideas, raising the level of our thinking. Close contact with ambitious people gives us ambition. Remember, I told you that's why they set up these private clubs. It ain't just about racism. It ain't just trying to keep us out of that. You know, there there are some like that, but a lot of them are not. The reason they set these private clubs up and they ask you for eighty five thousand to a hundred grand a year to join because they know that if you're doing that and you can do that, you have a different way of thinking. You're thinking the same way they're thinking. So they want to they don't want to be sitting in the sitting in the restaurant having lunch and talking big ideas and talking big things that we can do. And here you are sitting on the table with them saying, you know, well how y'all gonna do that? That ain't gonna work. <laughs> See, they don't want that in the in the environment that they're in. They want people who are saying, let's see how to make this thing work. I got a friend of mine I can call. He knows more about this. Let me set that up, and then we have another meeting. And then what you do, Frank, is you're going to find out about this and that. And so when we come back, we're going to figure out how to make this thing work, not about that can't work, this ain't going to happen, blah, 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 blah. See, that, that environment, you can't fit. They don't want you in that. I wouldn't either. Experts agree that the person you are today, your personality, ambitions, present status in life are largely a result of your psychological environment. And experts agree also that the person you will be want you will be one, five, ten, twenty years from now depends on almost entirely on your future environment. Almost entirely on that. You will change over the months and years. This we know, but how will you change depends on your future environment. The mind, food, you feed yourself. Let's look now at what we can do to make our future environment pay and off in the satisfaction uh, and prosperity. Step one, recondition your, your, yourself for success. The number one obstacle on the road to high-level success is the feeling that major accomplishments is beyond reach. That's the you got to recondition yourself, and that's the number one obstacle. Thinking that I can't do that—that that what you're talking about is beyond my reach. This attitude stems from many, many suppressive forces that direct our thinking toward mediocre levels. That's why it says your zip code is so important. Your zip code guides your success because 99% of people in that particular zip code they think that way, and you hear it all the time, and you see it. You know what I'm saying? That's why it, it's it's almost like, remember I said, uh, I asked the question, would you rather have a small house in a great area than a huge house in a bad area? And it should be a small house in a great area. Now, you, the goal is to have both, but it just say you had a choice because now your environment is so important. When you come home every day, what you see, what you hear, those things are so important. So he says to un, to understand this these suppressive forces, let's go back to the time we were children. As children, all of us set high goals. At a, at a surprisingly young age, we made plans. Uh, see, we made plans. I just turned the page. To conquer the unknown, to be leaders to attain positions of high importance, to do exciting and stimulating things, to do exciting and stimulating things. You know, we made those plans to do that. We sat on the porch talking about what we're going to do. This is going to be my car. This is going to be my this and that. You know, <laughs> we made those, you know, we talked about it. To attain positions of high importance, to do exciting and stimulating things, to become wealthy and famous. In short, to be first, biggest and best. And in our blessed ignorance, we saw our way to clear to accomplish these goals. But what happened? 
what you think happened. Long before we reached that age when we could begin to work on those great objectives, a multitude of suppressive influences, influences went to work from all sides. We heard it. It's foolish to be a dreamer. They tell you in school, stop dreaming, stop daydreaming. And, that, and our ideas were impractical, stupid, naive, or foolish. And, and I had a young lady say, well, you know, I grew up in a zip code, and my parents, they told me about things, and we went places. I said, listen, young lady, yeah, that's one example. And it might be a few examples like that in the hood. But 99% are not like that. Because what you're getting is what they got, and what they got is what from you know from their, what they you know what what your grandparents taught them. And most people never even leave the hood. Most people never even you know go down the streets. Most people never even go on the other side of town, folks. They don't go on the other side of town. And up to you know a few years ago when YouTube you know came about. You couldn't even see what the other part of the world looked like unless you went. Now you can at least go in there and see it. But most, a lot of people still not doing that. So how can you give and get, have somebody mind enlightened if they're not enlightened? That's why the zip code has a lot to do with your success or failure. So as a result of being bombarded with you can't get ahead, so don't bother to try propaganda, most people you know can be classified in these three groups, okay? Man, I chose the best page here. Okay, here are the three groups. First group, those who surrender completely. The majority of people are convinced deep down inside that they haven't got what it takes, that real success, that real accomplishment is for others are lucky. The other people that, that get are lucky or fortunate in some special respect. You can easily spot these people because they go into great lengths to rationalize their status and explain how happy they really are. You see, I don't need no money, man. I'm just, I'm happy what I'm doing. My job is great, and I don't need all that. You know, I don't, that, I don't need all that. Y'all out there chasing that money, I don't need all that. Shoot, let me knock on your door one night or one morning and say, you know, I got this bag full of money. Uh, you, boy, you tackle me and grab it. See, when you say you don't need all that, what you're saying is, I don't believe I can have all that. And you're also saying, I don't think I'm going to work hard enough to get all that. That's what you're saying. But it's easy to say, yeah, you know, I don't need all that. I don't know where y'all chasing that money. Ain't going to do, you know, you can't take none with you. You know, then you make all that money, you evil now. You ain't, you know, you know wealthy people are evil. I ain't making all that money and be evil. You don't you see J.R. doing? And you see them evil people on TV? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. A very intelligent man at 32 who, had, who has dead-ended himself in safe but mediocre position recently spent hours telling me why he was so satisfied with his job. He did a good job of rationalizing, but he was only kidding himself, and he knew it. What he really wanted was to work in a challenging situation where he could grow and develop. But that multitude of suppressive influences has convinced him that he was inadequate for big things. So imagine as a kid, remember now, scientists and I mean experts who study the mind say that from the wound until age nine, whatever you hear is locked in you. You're programmed to think that way. Remember, you know, I just said they, they take the test in the fourth grade because they know that once you hear it, you're not going to go in there and change it. You don't even know how to do it. They're not going to talk to you about books that you can read. They're not going to tell you those things that you can go to change it. So they know that where you are in the fourth grade mindset-wise and your thoughts will continue with you forever. They will. Now, here you go. Some of y'all saying, well, it did with me. Well, I know a cousin of mine, I, like the one lady said, my my mother has a friend who uh, went to nursing school, and then she now makes as much money as a doctor because she thought she could do it, you know. And then she said, I did it. I said, so, okay. Now, in your zip code, it's, you know, 
200,000 people, 300,000. Here you go with that one example or two examples or three examples. Because that's what people say when they see folks in the business. Instead of looking at the what's going to take to really do it, you'll find somebody who is an outlier or somebody who got lucky outside the box, and then you'll point at them. See, they ain't reading. They didn't do none of that stuff. They're not doing that. You do that because that's people who try to make excuses for not trying to change your life. I see it all the time. You bring up somebody who's an outlier, somebody who's exceptional. You bring up Deion Sanders' prime time. Like, well, prime time don't do the right. Look, he's an exceptional individual. You don't have those gifts. You don't have those skills. You can't do that kind of stuff. But you know, look at him. Look at my friend over here. They never, and they just made a million dollars. Yeah. And you're not going to work as hard as they don't work. You don't have the skills that they have to do that. So what we're saying is I'm trying to give you a plan to change your thought process so you can really get in the game because that's, that's the problem. That's what's holding us up. It ain't just that, you know, when we do our business every day and supposed to do our business every day, the reason we don't make phone calls has nothing to do with you don't know what to say. No, it's how you feel about yourself, folks. It has nothing to do with, I don't know what to say to these people. I don't, because if you feel good about yourself and your mindset is there and your self-esteem is up, you really don't care. Because what you're doing is you know you got to make the, a certain amount of number of calls to do this. And you don't care what they say about you. You don't care if they laugh at you. You don't care. See, that's a person that has built up their self-esteem and their belief. But see, the ones who haven't, like a lot of people, you call two people, you call three people, and they all tell you no and that you're stupid for doing it, and now you stop. And then you go in there and watch TV, and then the next time somebody asks you about did you run the bases or did you do this and did you do well, I really don't understand how that works. Y'all got to help me a little bit more with how that works. Y'all got to, to tell me, no, you know how it works? You got that. What you don't have is that belief inside of you to go do it. You don't have that self-esteem level. You don't because you've been beat up for so long in the neighborhood. The things that you've been hearing are all been negative. You thought they were positive and negative. Now we're saying, hey, you got you need to do this to start growing. You need to do that to start growing. You need to change your environment. And once you do that, that's why you could take a person who starts in our business, and let's say they have a, uh, a a little influence, they might not know half the stuff you know, but they're going to go right past you. You know why? Because they're going to pick up the phone and call certain people. You know why? Because they're going to do things that they have to do. And you know why? Because they believe in themselves. They have seen themselves having success before. They know that they can have success. You don't. And so in order for you to have it, you have to build yourself up. Now, you got to stop lying to yourself, too, saying that, you know, I don't have a self-esteem issue. I don't have a mindset problem. I don't have all of that. Stop lying to yourself because when you go home or you're at home looking in that mirror, you know something going on. When you should be making phone calls and you sitting there watching hip-hop television, you know something going on. When you should be following up with some people and you're not doing that because you do not want to hear no. You do not want to hear, um, hey, John, has it gotten that bad now that you got to be selling stuff to people? Has it gotten that bad? You got to be selling stuff to people? So you don't want to hear that. Or you don't want to hear that they didn't pick up the phone because they know it's you. And then they go, you know, they're going to say especially around this time. John, if you need some extra money, you know UPS hiring for the holidays. The UPS is hiring, uh, 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 Delta is hiring, and FedEx. Those are good, good part-time jobs, John. You don't have to be trying to sell nothing out here to people. You don't have to be trying to talk about that stuff, and you know that stuff don't work. You know Freddie tried that. 
You know Freddie. You know Freddie. You know on, on uh, Lee Street, the street over from us. You remember Freddie? His brother is uh, John. You know little Freddie. Yeah, he tried that because he came over here talking about all that stuff, and then he told my aunt about all it, and then he quit because he realized that stuff. Well, you you don't want to be like Freddie. They're gonna be talking about you. And your self-esteem and your belief, oh, I won't be like no Freddie. So I'm going to go on down here to UPS because, you know, they hire. FedEx hire. Christmas holidays, give me some money. And then, you know, I call you up and I say, hey, man, look, we're having a meeting. We need to talk about some things that you're doing. Let's talk about your goals and dreams. Well, you know, I'm going to have to kind of put that little business on the shelf right now because uh, you know, I, I, I kind of got another job now because I need to bring some money in for the family. So I'm going to kind of put that little thing on. But, I, you know, I, I still use the product. Yeah, I still use the product, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, <laughs> that's the first group. The first group is, man, this group in reality just just the other extreme of a discontented, you know, uh, searching for opportunity that's easy person, rationalizing yourself into a rut. Now, think about this, which incidentally has been described, a rut is described as a grave with both ends open. <laughs> so you're in a casket, and the casket is in the ground, and both ends are open, but <laughs> you really can't do nothing. can be as bad as wandering aimlessly, hoping opportunity will somehow someday hit you in the face. You know, like you you sitting at home. And then you hear a knock on the door. Well, who is it? Opportunity. <laughs> it's opportunity. And you sitting on the sofa eating a cheeseburger, watching The Price is Right, and then you say, Tom, opportunity, I got to get up and open the door? Opportunity, say, yeah, you open it up, I got some fun. Man, you can't slide it on the door, Opportunity. And then when you finally get an open opportunity, opportunity tells you these are five things you have to do. <laughs> I know I shouldn't have got off that sofa. I know I shouldn't have got off that sofa. Let me go back and sit down. All right, so here's the second group. The second group are those who surrendered partially. Oh, man, lost my page here. Hold on a second. Mm, I guess they don't want you to hear the second group. Who don't want you to hear? Okay. Second group, those who surrender partially. A second but much smaller group enters into adult life with the considerable hope for success. These people prepare themselves. They work, they plan, but after a decade or so of resistance begin to build up competition for top-level jobs look really rugged. This group then decides that greater success is not worth the effort. You know, that's why I talk about you want to kind of catch somebody, you really do, between 25 and 35 maybe. There are some people who realize this stuff later on and be really, but most people, you know, you still, they still kind of got a little fight in them. What they, what, between 25 and 35, they kind of realize that what they're doing is not going to work right now. But they still have a little belief and fight in them. And so they'll still, but see, he's saying that this person, the second group, just give up altogether. They've been fighting for 10 years. They, they, just, they rationalize earning more than the average, and we were a little better than the average. Why should we knock ourselves out for that? I don't need all that, man. I don't need to go do all that, man. I know, you know, I know the mirror is hanging off on the passenger side. But, shoot, you can go get some duct tape for that. Ain't just me trying to make no more money to fix my mirror on that right-hand side. That that mirror is black. I'm going to go get some of that black Gorilla tape, and I'm going to tape that mirror up and hold it up like that. That's, you know, I need, no, need to make no money for that. I know the screen door got a big old hole in the screen, because when people come over your house, they just walk through the screen. They don't even have to, <laughs> they don't even have to open the door because, you know, you know, the screen already ripped up, man. I don't need no screen. Matter of fact, I was thinking about taking that screen door off. Yeah, I don't need to do all that, man. Shoot, I ain't trying to. No, I don't need all that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-mm. Then you pull over somebody's house in your car, and 
when you get out the car, as you walk into the door, your car still, you know, <laughs> you get to the door of the person's house, they open the door. They're like, man, that's your car. you making that noise. Yeah, it's going to stop in a minute. <laughs> I don't need to get that fixed, man. I don't need all that. Y'all worry about all that, too. That car got me over here, gonna get me back on. I ain't about to knock myself out and try to work hard and do them things to get no money. Because first of all, I don't believe it's gonna happen. You got a set of fears now: fear of failure, fear of social disapproval. You know, you don't want nobody to laugh at you. You don't want anybody to talk about you. Fear of insecurity, fear of losing what they already have. These people aren't satisfied because deep down inside, they know they have surrendered. You know, the ones who get on these calls, the ones we talk to, they say, oh, yeah, it's great, man, I'm really doing it. I'm killing the game. I'm about to watch what happens. And then you go home and look in the mirror and you feel bad about yourself. See, this group includes many talented, intelligent people who are let to crawl through life now because they're afraid to stand up and run. They're afraid to stand up and run because they just feel defeated. Now we got our third group, which is the last group. Those who never surrender. This group may be 2 or 3% of the total world. 2 or 3%. Doesn't let pessimism dictate. Doesn't believe in surrendering to suppressive forces. Doesn't believe in crawling. Instead, these people live and breathe success. This group is the happiest because it accomplishes the most. You know, I give you an example of my guy, Lewis. And, and talking to him, he said he knew once he had developed himself and got his mind right, that he was going to be leaving prison. So he said even the bad days, he just whistled through prison. He just walk around, skip around, just whistle. You know, even if he, because he knows that I've done the work that I need to do to get out of here, so it's going to happen. I believe that he's in that third group that says, I ain't giving up on nothing. You know, so whatever it looks like, how bad it is, I'm going to whistle my way through this. I'm going to skip my way through it, and it's going to happen. This group is the happiest because it accomplished the most. The persons in this group, this group earned upwards to now, if I tell you this number here, because <laughs> this book was written a long time ago, you'll probably laugh, but $15,000 annually. That's probably right now sixty-five or 70000 whatever, you know, around that. These people become top salesmen, top executives, top leaders in their respective fields. These people find life stimulating, rewarding, worthwhile. These people look forward to each new day, each new encounter, because they know they're getting better. They know they've read another book. They know they're learning these things. They know they're taking notes. They're highlighting this stuff. And they know in their mind it's, it's going to have to happen because I, I'm doing the things I need to do as adventures to, be, to live fully. Now you're getting better on making your phone calls that you should be making in your business. Now you, you know, you're dealing with, you're you pretty much laughing at the people who laughing at you. Because you understand now they hadn't read a book, you know, since, you know, Jimmy Carter was in office. You know, the last time they read a book, if they read anything, even concerning mindset, you know, um, uh, no parking on the dance floor was number one on the on the charts. Midnight Star, no parking on the dance floor, which was <laughs> 1981. And you realize these people don't know. Only thing they can say to you is how they know what they know about life, and they don't know much. See, as you read more and more, you start getting this information. You start developing yourself, saying, "Man, I know what I'm doing here. I know this makes more sense than what they're doing." This makes more sense than what they're doing. So you get stimulated by it. Now, now you like, look, I, you know, let me call some more people. Let's be honest. All of us like to be in that third group, right? The one that finds the greatest success each year, the one that does things and gets results. To get and stay in this group, however, we must fight off suppressive influences of our environment. You've got to separate from those people. Remember I always say that most of y'all are part-time, and what you're doing is you've got one foot in this business 
in this arena, in this environment, you got one foot still back in that old one from your cousins, your aunties, and all them because they're your friends. You got one foot over there. And so they're hitting you with the negative every day. We're trying to hit you over here, or we're hitting you with the positive other stuff. It's a battle in the mind now. It's a battle in the mind now. And guess what? I'm giving you the truth now. Most people lose that battle, and they fall back on that other side because this is totally different than them. This is a change that they're uncomfortable with. It's a change that they don't want to go through. But then that third group says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep going through it. I'm going to start developing myself. I'm getting better. They fight off the suppressive influences in the environment to understand the persons in the first and second group. Suppose you tell seven of your, several of your average friends with the greatest sincerity, someday I'm going to be vice president of the company. What will happen? Your friends will probably think you are joking. They think you have lost your mind. And if they and if they should believe you mean it, chances are they will say, "You poor guy. You should have a lot to learn." That ain't gonna happen like that. Remember, I told you I started changing, and I was sitting with my two partners at AT and T that we used to hang out with at all the bars and chase all the women and run behind them. And I started reading more books. Now, what was coming out of my mouth was totally different than what we used to say. And I started talking about goals and dreams, and, and they looked at me like, man, you blowing my high with that. What are you talking about? You know, because, you know, if you see somebody who always talk that same mess you've been talking for years, and then all of a sudden, you you know, you talking something different, oh, what you talking about, man? You lost your mind. You in some kind of cold or something? You, in some, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why am I still sitting here with them? This is crazy. I don't even, I don't ever operate like this no more. I don't even, I don't, and so we both really realize we need to separate. Because, see, one thing for sure with me, because I'm a part of that third group when I start growing, you weren't about to pull me back into what I was doing before because I had made up my mind that this is what I'm going to do. Most of y'all get pulled back. What did Michael say? when he, <laughs> Every time I get out, to my Michael Corleone. Somebody's pulling me back in. See, y'all going to get pulled back because you're uncomfortable sitting in your house by yourself listening to your thoughts. You're uncomfortable sitting there reading books that tell you why you're in the position you're in. You don't want to hear that. So it's easier to shut all that off and run over Leroy's house and play some cards and hang out with them, drink you some Henny. And see, that's because you're part of that first and second group. You, the third group saying, look, I done made up my mind. I'm going to change. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to continue until I win. So you can say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. I was watching a video of a guy that was in prison, had been in prison for 10, 15 years, I guess. And he was a gangster in prison. He was that dude that everybody listened to. And one day he said, after about six or seven years, he realized as watching people go out and come back in, go out and come back in, what was the difference? And he realized that the ones who educated their minds didn't come back. And so he went to his boys and said, look, I'm done. You can have all this stuff I have, whether it's dope or drugs or, or knives or whatever I have in here, I'm done. I'm moving to And they looked at him like, man, you know you can't do that. This is what you're good at. But see, he's in that third group, and he told them, I'm done, man. You can say all you want. I'm separating from y'all. Either y'all can come with me and start doing it this way, or I'm gone. And he changed his life, came out, started changing his life, and, you know, three, four years later after he got out, he making millions of dollars because he was that third group and said, I'm a change, and you can't pull me back. You can't stop me from thinking, even I might not see results. You can't stop me from doing it, but that's what happens. Some of us try to do that. We we really want to be in that third group, but mentally you let them you let them folk pull you back, or you let your mental your mind do it. He says to understand how persons in the first and second group will unwittingly try to hold you back. Study this example. That's what just told you. They're gonna say, no, you can't do that. Now, he says, behind your back, they may even question whether you have all your marbles. You done lost. You done went crazy or something. 
Now, assume you repeat that same statement to the equal sincerity to the president of your company. How will he react? One thing is certain, he will not laugh. He will look at you intently and ask himself, does this fellow really mean this? But he will not, we repeat and laugh. He won't do that because big men do not laugh at big ideas. Or suppose you tell some average person you plan to own a, uh, a $300,000 house or five that whatever. They may laugh at you because they think it's impossible. But tell your plan to a person who's already living that way. He or she won't suppress that. He knows it isn't impossible because they already done it. Remember, people who you tell who tell you it cannot be done almost always are unsuccessful people, are strictly average or mediocre, and at best in terms of accomplishment. Opinions of these people can be poisoned. Now see, those are the opinions of people in that zip code. Those are the opinions of people that we talk about. They they don't believe it can be done. They never done it. They don't know anybody done it. They ain't even left outside the block. And we listening to them because that's all we know. We don't know anything else. And remember, what did I do? I know I didn't have anybody to get advice from, so I grabbed these books. That's why I got so many books on my shelf here because I grabbed all these books and started reading, and they became my friends even though I didn't know these people. They became my environment. They became, that's what I started, just feeding my mind with that stuff, you know, you got you got the ability now just to go to YouTube and start feeding your mind with stuff. We didn't. I didn't have that there. It wasn't no YouTube. wasn't no internet. None. So you had to literally go and search for stuff and get it and 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 make it become your friend. That's that's what I did. I got a bunch of friends on my bookshelf right now. I'm looking at them who talk and think differently from the hood I grew up in. I tell you, man, if you get this, you advance in your business, you'll change. Because, see, the, the challenge is as you build a business is to get people, you, your goal is to duplicate. you got to get people operating and doing the things that you do. But if you can't do that because if that person mindset is not there and they're not thinking that way and they're not believing in themselves and they, don't, and they still don't want to admit that that's a change, that's a problem they have. Now, you know when you go home, you know it. You know when you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, all my friends, isn't you, you're not hustling trying to figure out what's the next move. How can I do this? You're not doing that. You know that. He says you have to develop a, a defense against people who, who want to convince you that you can't do it. Accept negative advice only as a challenge to you to prove that you can. Remember I told you those guys kept telling me I couldn't win when I first got started? I took their pictures and put them on my vision board. Well, I'm going to show you. You know, accept it as a challenge. Accept it as a challenge and then go do it. You know, it's so much I got to highlight. I got to stop there because I'm going way over. <laughs> so, man, we can go with this stuff all day. Remember I said, boy, we could just grab people and we go away for six months. And we stay in a, you know, a resort or something for six months. No television. No nothing. No radio. No, You can't reach out to your people. You can't call back and hear all the negative news. And so we go all day talking about this and training. And then at night we hang out, you know, around the, the fireside, have a chat, and we talk about what we talked about that day. And we do that every single day for six months. You'll be a new person, folks. But guess what? That can't happen. Well, it ain't going to happen. So guess who has to do that? You have to create that. You have to do those things. You have to be in those environments. You have to make yourself separate. You have to do that. And see, the world knows that most folks ain't going to fight and do that. Most folks don't come up with excuses. Most folks going to... I got a question said, did I ever ask Lewis if he was given life with no parole, would he still be reading voraciously? I think he had life like that. I don't know if 
I think the parole thing came later because I think he had it was twenty years of life or something. I, I don't know what it was, but you know he didn't think he didn't think that he was going to get out until he started changing his thoughts. Uh, if I'm correct, the next time we have him on, I'll talk. We'll talk about that to see. I think that's what it was. Or well, I'm gonna send him a text and ask him that question. But I think once he started changing his thoughts, then he realized that there is a possibility. I, I'm, don't quote me on that, but I'm thinking that's what it is. So, all right, folks, that's it for the day. That's all she wrote. Pen and the pencil broke. Hope you go back and take notes. See what I just said. Eighty, ninety percent of you already forgot. I can hang up and call you guys right now and say, tell me what I said in the beginning. Tell me what you didn't forget it. Because I have. But if you don't go back and take notes, write it down, and then go back and read. See, that's work. That's what you said. See, guess what? The third group will do that. Because the third group knows that they're going to be able to get out of the mess they're in. First and second group, y'all ain't going to do that. They ain't going to do it. Because you don't think none of this stuff going to work anyway. So, but the first group, I mean, the third group will do that. They ain't got no problem. They don't do it because they know that if I get this process down and I really do it, and however long it takes, then I can change. Man, I don't even want to leave this, but I'm going to mark this page, and we might do this on Wednesday. I might continue with this particular book. Just so you know whatever book it is, I actually grabbed The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz, which is on the top shelf of my uh, uh, bookshelf. It was, you know, it was about 30 books on that top shelf. No, it was about 100. I just reached in there and grabbed one. And and I promise you, I could reach in there. Remember I said, most of these books kind of talk the same stuff. It's just they use the different words and they say it a different way so you can get it because you have to keep hearing it to get it. If they said the exact same thing in the exact same way in the second or third book, you'll probably put it down. You probably won't. So the, the, the thing is, what it's saying in, in most of these books is that you can win. You can change your life. You can be successful. But you have to do certain things. You're going to have to separate. You have to, and so that's why we have to read different things because if not, it gets stale to us and we don't understand it. And it takes a while for us to get it. 